Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. This is Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now, your host, Matthew Kanata, joined by co-hosts Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is Matt Kanata, joined by Aaron Sutton and Joshua Houts. The Miami Dolphins are headed towards free agency with the March 11th through 13th tampering period. That's when teams are permitted to contact and enter into contract negotiations with the certified agents of players who will become unrestricted free agents upon the expiration of their 2018 player contracts, which will happen at 4 p.m. Eastern time on March 13. And that's when the contracts can officially become official and they can sign with their respective clubs. We expect a few players to come right off the board We'll talk about a few of those as we get into our show with the Miami Dolphins. Also, while they're looking at free agency, also looking ahead to the draft, which will be held towards the end of April. The exact dates, April 25th through 27th, coming to you live from Nashville, Tennessee. Miami Dolphins coming off the NFL scouting combine where they interviewed many players, talked to many prospects, got an up-close look at all the different players during their workout drills. Sounds like the Dolphins will be going defense in the first round unless something happens where the top defensive players are off the board. They can't find a trade-down partner. Or if a quarterback drops them, someone like Kyler Murray, which probably won't happen. We're going to touch on that in just a short while. But this defensive line class was already a strong class to begin with. The combine proved it even more that there is no deeper class in the NFL than the defensive line. Yes, wide receivers can give them a run for their money, but it looks like the defensive line is where it's at. And fortunately for the Dolphins, that's where they need the most help. We did have someone, however, at the NFL scouting combine, and that was none other than certain the soccer dad himself. And he was actually credentialed as part of Pro Football Network, profootballnetwork.com on Twitter, FPFN365. As you all know, that is a joint venture created by myself, Sutton, and Houts. We're two and a half months in. We are kicking butt. Actually, as we record this today, we experienced our highest traffic to the site to date, and we are just moving upwards and onwards. But Sutton was there representing PFN. He was also representing the Finsider and as part of the SB Nation Network and Finsider Radio and pulling in as much Dolphins tidbits as he could. He will be putting up different snippets of his experience up on the Finsider.com and, of course, ProFootballNetwork.com behind-the-scenes look at everything he experienced. But, Sutton, I'm going to give you the floor right now. Just tell us, in all its glory, what the Combine was like for you. I don't even know where to begin. I'm just in this position where if somebody accidentally makes eye contact with me in the grocery store, I feel like that's the opportunity for me to tell them two and a half hours worth of scouting Combine knowledge that I accumulated over the weekend. It was it was amazing. It started off kind of weird just because I didn't know what the media credentials allowed me to do and where I was allowed to go and who I was allowed to talk to and stuff like that. And it 
just so happened that me forgetting a pen caused me to walk downstairs. And as I'm going down the stairs, you know, I'm kind of fumbling around on my phone and just checking my Twitter and whatever mindless thing I was doing in that moment. And I look up and I see Ian Rappaport right in front of me. So I'm like, okay. That's incredible. You must have uh, towered over him by like 10 feet. Yeah, he's like five, eight, maybe. And so I, I'm like, okay. Five, eight, well, water. Well, I'm like, this is interesting. So I, you know, get this pen and I start walking down the hallway and I start realizing like, okay, this is where the action is. This is where the scouts are going. I, I don't know how many dozens of scouts I, I watched walk through this hallway, but coaches, defensive coordinators, GMs, all these guys are just walking right in front of you like nothing's happening. And I feel like I'm in a parade and I'm just watching these guys walk in front of me. And you'll see the article that I have coming out on Pro Football Network, a picture that I tried to snap. Okay, I'm just an idiot and I'll just admit it right now. Like, I don't know. I'm a Midwesterner through and through. So for somebody that doesn't want to be bothered, it's kind of in my nature to not bother them. So it was kind of in a unique uh, kind of role for me to see somebody that doesn't want to be bothered, but still try to BS with them somehow. So my first attempt was with Ian Rappaport. I ended up noticing he was behind me. So I sit down in this chair and I'm like, okay, so I'm going to put the camera on flip and I'm going to hold it over my shoulder. And as he walks by, I'm going to snap a picture and it's going to be beautiful. And of course, as soon as he walks by, it's a blurry freaking mess. You can't see anything. <laughs> so I put the, I put the phone back in my pocket and I, I notice he's, he's like five feet in front of me. So I'm like, dude, just at, just say something. So I'm like, Ian ready for a busy weekend. And he, he just looks over at me. He's like, man, I'm just ready for free agency to be over with. So like that, that was another just kind of like get the monkey off my back. And then as I'm backtracking through that hall, going back up to the media room to meet, uh, you know, get back to my laptop and stuff. I pass Keenan McCardell, who's, uh, you know, former Jack Jacksonville Jaguars wide receiver and the wide receiver coach for Jacksonville, I, I see Mike Nolan, the ex-defensive coordinator for the Dolphins. So I'm like, okay, this is this is where I kind of want to pretend where I'm doing something on my phone and just kind of linger around and see if I can hear some things. But as, as I went through, I realized, oh, crap, yeah, the interviews. So I run back upstairs, get my stuff, and then we're off to the interview room, interviewing the prospects. And I'll be putting – videos out on on all these articles and everything like that but uh up, up until that point i thought i had seen it all i interviewed the prospects and thought what a crazy amazing thing i could probably die and go to heaven right now and then i go out to a steakhouse that night and it was, this is this is where it gets juicy, right? No pun intended, but this is where it gets juicy. How, I mean, how, how did you get your steak cooked? Yeah, tell medium, us. Medium rare. Yes. Okay. I respect. And that. did you put ketchup on it? Hell no. <laughs> and uh, okay. let me just ask, because this will okay. set the tone. How much was your steak? Ooh. Okay. This. Okay. So this is a. Uh, did you get the like the two for twenty special? Oh yeah, it was like Applebee's. It was real. <laughs> 
Real nice. No, it was it was a hopefully my wife doesn't listen to this sixty dollar steak. <laughs> oh no, Sutton. <laughs> well worth it. NFL combine. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so, I don't know if I I don't know if I'd be able to down a sixty dollar steak. So <laughs> oh, it was pretty easy. Don't yeah, don't get me I wrong. I probably would have just gotten French fries and mashed potatoes. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Yeah, you would have got a piece of like iceberg lettuce for eight dollars. <laughs> yeah, eight dollars. So we, we kind of knew going into it that it was that were that there were two main steak places there that most of the guys went to, and it was Prime 47 and St. Elmo's. And so we went to Prime 47 Friday night and we're thinking uh, we probably call when we get back to the hotel. So the interviews are over at five. We were probably done with our work at maybe six. We get back to the hotel about six thirty, and we call right at six thirty to get a reservation for this place. Thinking there's probably not a chance in hell that there's going to be an opening. They're like, yeah, we got something at ten thirty. I'm like, what the hell? 1030? (laughs) Okay. Yeah, sure. Sure, Okay. Yeah, let's do it. So we get this reservation for 1030. And we decide, you know, let's just show up at 9, 930, somewhere in there. We'll see if we can get to the bar and get a couple of drinks before we get to it. You know, no idea the layout of this place or anything like that. So we roll up in there about nine o'clock and we get to the waitress area and they're like, yeah, it's going to be every bit of 1030. I'm like, okay, that's cool. You, can we try to sneak over to the bar? And like, yeah, you can try. And it, it's basically your basic kind of frat party layout. I mean, it's wide open. I mean, there's not really any walls other than one uh, dividing the dining room with the bar room. But even then, it's still a, a pretty small wall. I mean, it's you can really see everybody almost at all times, no matter where you are in the restaurant. You can see everybody where you are. So we walk in, we go over to the bar, and it was packed, right? Just straight absolutely up packed. packed. It was absolutely like Cincinnati, packed. Cincinnati, where you could barely walk. Yeah, your shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. Okay. As soon as, soon as you walk in, and we look over, we see a little bit of room over by the bar. We're like. Maybe we could sneak in and get a drink. So me and Brett and Spooner go over there. We get to the bar. Brett gets us uh, some whiskey, and we start sipping on it. We look over, and Eric Dickerson is sitting right next to us at the bar. We're like, okay. Now, was Dickerson by himself? No, he was with his business partner. Okay. So they're just sitting there, and Brett looks over. He's like, Eric, can I buy a drink? And He's like, yeah. And <laughs> so, so Brett, who he, probably doesn't make nearly as much as Eric Dickerson makes, <laughs> find him a drink. No, Eric but that's there. that's kind of the that's the script there from yeah. kind of what uh-huh. we learned there is yeah. you don't just go up and be some fanboy and ask for a picture and all that kind of stuff. They yeah. they they're millionaires. They they hear that crap all the time. They don't want to hear that. Right, right. So he just went. They want to be wine and dined. Yeah, they want to be, you know, they want some foreplay. They don't want to go oh, straight geez. for, you know. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> so he buys him a drink. He buys a lemon drop, by the way, a drink version with sugar around the rim. That must have been absolutely amazing. <laughs> it's, 
So he's sipping on that, and Eric looks – and Brett, in his defense, he just he, – he gave it to him without any expectation of getting anything in return, and that's why it worked. So Eric looks over at us, and he's like, hey, do you want a picture? Brett's like, yeah. So I take a picture of Eric and Brett, and it's probably on Instagram somewhere. So Eric asked to take a picture with Brett. Yeah, he's the wow. one that initiated it. So Brett's a celebrity here, not Eric. Yeah. In okay. some ways. So Eric sits back down and Gustavo, his business partner, sit next to him. So we all start BSing and, you know, I start to get that whiskey in me, get a little bit more courage, start opening up a little bit more. And I tell and Eric, that, you know, uh, that, that Midwest accent gets a little thicker. You know, well, and it gets a little bit charming, too. So, yeah, yeah you know. hey, man. <laughs> I look over at Eric and I'm like, dude, I was so rooting for the Rams against the Patriots this year. He's like, man, me too. So we kind of had that in common. Uh, did you? Let me ask you one thing. Did you ask Eric Dickerson about Jeff Fisher? No. <laughs> because remember, Jeff Fisher bans him from the sideline. No, that did not get brought up. Probably. If, if I was there. I would have been drunk after just sniffing the lemon drop drink. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I yeah, probably would have, would have asked him that. Yeah, and probably got kicked out. He probably would have got you kicked out. But I would have got my um, revoked and everything. You know, in those types of conversations, you still kind of know that you're on thin ice. They could turn their shoulder to you at any moment. So we were just kind of relishing the fact that we were going back and forth with them and just kind of shooting the crap. And then while we're talking to Eric Dickerson, I hear these, I hear somebody behind me go, Hey, can I get two Coors lights? And at this place, I'm like, who the hell is ordering Coors light? And I turn around. It's it was Brian probably Hartline. Robert Kraft, wasn't it? It's Brian Hartline and his brother. Oh Coors light. God. All right. Back, <laughs> oh my back God. up there. Back no, uh. up. <laughs> Brian Hartline is ordering two Coors lights. <laughs> And this is why these guys have money. Robert Kraft goes to a $70 massage parlor, and Brian Hartline's out ordering Coors Lights. He's stone cold. He's stone cold. And Brian Eric Dickerson is asking PFN writers for drinks. <laughs> All right, carry on. So I turn around. I'm like, oh, Brian Hartline. So I put my hand out, shake his hand. You know, big Dolphins fan, Ohio State fan. It's amazing to have what what was the secret of the sideline toe tapping catch? He's like dropping your ankles. Uh, and at that moment it sounded did like the did, wisest did, freaking did, thing did, I'd ever heard. Do you like that too? Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, drop your ankles. Yeah, it was kinda like that. Drop that's your that's when Sutton's night was just made completely. Sutton heard drop your ankles. He was all about it. Did you drop so, your ankles? Yeah, did you drop your I, ankles? I, yeah, I tried point? to recreate it too. I was like, like this. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up handing their beers. I ended up talking to Brian's brother a little bit more just because Brian was, looked like his his mind was a little bit elsewhere. I mean, if you're looking at me, I'd probably want to talk to other people too. So I ended up talking to Brian's brother a little bit, just kind of shooting the crap. And I ended up telling him that my hometown's Marietta, Ohio. And for whatever reason... He decided to tell Brian that was like some kind of meaningful thing. So he said, hey, Brian, this dude's from Marietta. And Brian's like, oh, yeah, really? And I ended up talking to him a little bit more, just, you know, kind of the high state program. You know, he's the wide receiver coach there. So talking to him about Ryan Day and these guys are 
once you kind of get them in the right frame of mind, like the right context, they're super laid back and easygoing and free flowing. So we talked between talking to Eric Dickerson and Brian Hartline, his brother, that was probably half an hour right there. That's incredible. I mean, Brian Hartline probably thinks he's coming to the steakhouse and bar to mingle with other former NFL guys. And he runs into Aaron freaking Sutton. He runs into the soccer dad. And he's probably pregnant, right? The odds are. <laughs> I did shake his hand, so it is possible. Oh, that yep. is incredible that Brian Hartline came all the way to Indianapolis to talk to Aaron Sutton. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Okay, so um, I'll kind of go quick version here. We get back to our table. At the very back part of this room, there's a little bit of a buffet-style setup for certain people, and Kyle Rudolph, and what looks like, I think is his brother, I can't say for sure, but definitely Kyle Rudolph. His biceps are definitely, like, circular. His, like, you know, his arms, I, I could not believe how big he was in person. And then I turn around... It's about 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning. We're on our way out, and in a 10-minute span – so, sorry, this is probably about 12.30. And in a 10-minute span, we see Michael Irvin, John Elway, Jeff Darlington, Hannah Storm, and Sean Payton all on our way out, all of them still drinking at 1 o'clock in the morning, not to mention Jeff Ireland – was close enough to me for me to throw an elbow into his face. But I really, at that moment, wanted to turn around and just kind of hug him and be like, thank you for bringing Cam Wake to us. Can I buy yep. you a drink? But there are too many people in front of me to make it happen without me looking like some ridiculous idiot. I mean, that's not really that hard for me to do anyway. So I didn't want to make it that much more obvious. So didn't really have the opportunity, but that was kind of my goal if I got to Jeff Ireland. So it sounds like you had a hell of a time, despite everything else, all the work that you put in. And if you were following Sutton on Twitter and our boy Brett and Spooner, you saw all the content they were pushing out the entire weekend. And they did a fantastic job. And Sutton's, I told you, putting up articles up daily over the next few days on both websites. Uh, But it sounds like all the action, Sutton, is really after all of that goes down. Absolutely. No question about it. I mean, wow. during during the day at the Indiana Convention Center, you'll see small little pockets of people, never more than three people at a time. That's what yeah. I noticed. Never a big group of people. But you, you, you would see small little congregations of two and three people. It might be a, a scout and a different scout. It might be one team scout and someone from their front office. It might be two different head coaches. It might be a general manager of one team and a scout from another team. It's really, it was almost like a wedding reception without booze and loud music. Everybody was just kind of chilling and hanging out and kind of free flowing. And it was laid back. And that was, if, if you've seen any reports or anything about this, about the atmosphere being adversarial at all between, you know, agents and teams and scouts and stuff like that, completely false. Everybody is all buddy-buddy. So it sounds like how it's the me and you need to find a way to get there next year with our work schedules and everything else. 
No doubt. Yeah, that sounds like a threesome that has to happen. <laughs> oh my god. Let's hop in Sutton's van. All ha- all have mustaches. Hop in his van. Let's roll up to this shit next year. All the best threesomes <laughs> start in a minivan. Yeah, no, man. It sounds like a great freaking time. I know you basically just did our entire podcast with your scouting combine recap, but it's <laughs> great to just get a behind the scenes look because we see the reports come out of the combine. We see the uh, every everything else that comes out of the combine, but we don't really get a good look at behind the scenes. It and was, I know that was just, and that was just one night of you behind. Yeah, the scenes. that's just yeah, that was one day and one night. When I woke up Saturday morning, I saw John Elway, like they they did a cut to him while the while the drills were going on, and it took a cut to John Elway taking a drink or something, and I'm like. That mf'er is hungover as hell, right? Yeah, uh-huh. And I and I knew it for a fact. <laughs> and and you and you see these things, and it reminds you that these guys are human, right? But it also reminds you that we're sitting here, wherever everyone is, and we're just thinking all these guys do is just straight up look at film all day, all night, focus on the team, one million percent. Uh, it's a job for them. It's a job for them, just like we have our own jobs. And their escape from reality, their escape from their job is to go out and have a drink with their friends, just like we do. And, well, uh, it, yeah, it, not only that, but think of just how many – every team's there. Yeah. Okay, so there's so many different intersections of people that, you know, different coaches have worked at different teams. And so there's – you know, it, it's a big fraternity, basically, the National Football League is. And you really saw that over the weekend in Indianapolis. Everybody just knows everybody. And the scouting combine is one of those few times that all those guys can get together where there's not a huge, crazy, um, in-season, competitive, sort of cutthroat nature to it. This is way, you know, opposite end of the spectrum. Everything's real chill and laid back. Well, you killed it, man. Uh, I know I know. Kanata mentioned that, but I mean, the coverage you had, the, the questions you went out there and asked, I, I don't think anybody else could have done a better job. So hats off to you, Brett and Spooner. You guys killed it. Appreciate that, man. I just, you know, just wanted to go in there and be a student. And it took, a, you know, the first day to kind of get with the flow of how to do the interviews and what were the better types of questions to ask and just felt like it was a really good learning experience. And, you know, as – as it went on, just felt more confident in asking the questions and you end up getting better responses and it just kind of, just kind of snowballs. It was great. When you talk about interview Sutton and asking the right questions, one guy who's been getting a lot of criticism on Wednesday as we record this is Kyler Murray, quarterback prospect entering the NFL draft from Oklahoma some teams, some anonymous scouts coming out telling reporters, leaking to reporters that they have not been impressed by Murray in their interviews with him. We've talked about Murray a little bit on the show. We're going to talk about him again some more because he is the most polarizing topic in the NFL right now. And when you think about the possibilities of where he may land, I think I said it on the show a few weeks ago. I think we all confirmed it that Kyler Murray is going top five. At minimum, he's going top five. Now they're saying the Cardinals may select him at number one overall. And the Cardinals have been doing a fantastic job of playing this up. They've even had their own website, uh, cardinals.com, their own official website, putting out stories, wondering uh, what the Cardinals will do with their number one pick. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury actually doing interviews about it, Uh, you know, saying that 
he did not say that Josh Rosen was on the trading block. He did not say that Kyler Murray was a lock at number one. But we know the history between Kingsbury and Murray. And when you start seeing all these mock drafts coming out with Murray going number one overall, Daniel Jeremiah, his latest mock draft, has Kyler Murray going number one overall. Where there's smoke, there's fire. And it would not be surprise me one bit to see Kyler Murray drafted by the Cardinals. Now, a little bit has calmed down a little bit. And the theory around the league behind uh, league circles and the inside circles are that the NFL is asking the Cardinals not to do anything with Josh Rosen until the NFL draft. Because the NFL draft for the NFL is a way to make money, is a ratings bonanza. And the more suspense they have leading up to that number one pick where Roger Goodell walks to the podium and announces it, the better off it's going to be for the NFL. There'll be no suspense if the Cardinals trade Josh Rosen next week when the league year opens. Because then for the next month and a half, everyone knows Kyler Murray is going number one overall. So I think the NFL wants the Cardinals to hold off as long as possible. If the Cardinals don't take him, they may get a boatload of draft picks to move down so a team could grab up and get him. Because by all reports right now, and Ben Albright was the first to report this, the Oakland Raiders are in love with Kyler Murray. John Gruden loves Kyler Murray. John Gruden, in fact, is trying to get Kyler Murray, trying to get Antonio Brown, and trying to get Le'Veon Bell all on the same team. That's incredible. It's insane, actually. So Kyler Murray, he's going top five at minimum, maybe top three even. But let's say, let's hypothesize here. Let's be hypothetical. Let's say that the Dolphins trade up for him. Or let's say that he does fall a little bit more towards the top 10. Maybe he doesn't even get drafted in the top 10, which will be a surprise for me. And the Dolphins are sitting there with an opportunity to grab Kyler Murray. Real quick, because there's a bigger name I want to talk about after Kyler Murray. Maybe not bigger, but a bigger position or a bigger picture to it. So real quick, Sutton, Houts, you draft Kyler Murray for the Dolphins, if you have the chance. If Yeah, if, if by that you mean does he fall to 13 and he's there, yeah, draft him. Yeah, I think without question... It- Honestly, I'd probably trade up into the top five if if Arizona doesn't take him, if he makes it there to, to Oakland and they don't pull the trigger, I'd find a way to get up there and, and get Kyler Murray because I think he's going to be one of those quarterbacks that, you know, we're talking about as the one and only. You know, Pat Mahomes, there might never be another Pat Mahomes. I think that you have the same potential there with Kyler Murray and the explosive playmaking ability he has. i move up and get him. That'd be my guy. So if, the, if Kyler Murray falls past the Cardinals – there may be a bunch of teams wanting to move up. If he falls past the Raiders, everybody who wants Kyler Murray is trying to move up there because that's the basically sticking point right there. But if the Cardinals select Kyler Murray, the bigger picture name there is Josh Rosen because you cannot keep him on that roster. And the Dolphins automatically come into the mix here because supposedly, according to NFL insiders... We heard it ourselves, too, that Josh Rosen was the apple of Adam Gase's eye. We now know that was not true. But we don't know Chris Greer's true thoughts on him. We don't know others in the organization's true thoughts. You have a new head coach. You don't know his thoughts. Adding fuel to the fire, though, is that there have been rumblings the past week 
that the Arizona Cardinals weren't even in love with Josh Rosen. They wanted Josh Allen. But because they felt like they needed to grab a franchise quarterback, and we've seen this in the past with J.P. Lossman and Christian Ponzer and guys just getting drafted way too early. But the Cardinals, for some reason, feeling like they had to draft a quarterback, moved up in front of Miami to grab Josh Rosen. And perhaps, just perhaps, and most likely, the Dolphins sending out those smoke signals before the draft encouraged the Cardinals to do that. Because look what happened. Miami got an elite player and Minka Fitzpatrick. And yes, I do think Minka will be elite. Still has a lot to learn, but he's, he will get there, I believe. So you start connecting the dots. And then you say, okay, a first-round pick is too rich. I absolutely agree with that. Second-round pick, okay, maybe. Then the report comes out, he might can go for a third-round pick. And then you're like, okay, a third-round pick is, is, is important, but for a quarterback in year two of his rookie deal, who is in a terrible situation in Arizona, who has potential, for me, that is a high risk, uh, low risk, high reward type of thing. You just look at the Dolphins' philosophy of Chad O'Shea, the offensive coordinator for Miami, and Brian Flores and the other guys there, and Jim Caldwell. Let me just get your opinion. How we'll start with you then, Sutton, on Josh Rosen. Yeah, I mean, if the rumors are true and Kyler Murray is going number one overall, and Josh Rosen is on the trade block. I don't think it matters what the last regime thought of, of Josh Rosen because you know you got Marvin Allen in there now. You brought in Reggie McKenzie. Chris Greer is now the man calling the shots. You don't know how Brian Flores feels about him. You know there are rumors that New England coveted Josh Rosen last draft. So I think if he's available, you absolutely got to call call at the Arizona Cardinals and try to figure out what it's going to take to pry him away from them because you set a third – the 13th overall pick is not on the table. I completely agree with that. I think if you do move a second for Josh Rosen, you can then trade back in the first, get a very good player in the interior offensive line, maybe a defensive back or edge rusher. We know the Dolphins need one of those pretty damn bad. So for me, I think if you can get him for a second or third round pick, you absolutely pull the trigger. It's been talked about all for the last few days now. He's 22 years old, you know, up and down situation in Arizona last year. Peter Schrager of NFL Network came out and said that $10 million is already off the books. Arizona, uh, they already paid that part of his contract. So you're getting Josh Rosen for three years, $7 million. He's 22 years old. What harm is it for a team who has yet to fill this position since Dan Marino left? For me, it's a no-brainer. I think it'd be the perfect way to start this new regime. And, you know, you're not you're not tied to him because next season you can go after two or Herbert or the season after a Lawrence or, or the guy from uh, Ohio State. I mean, there's still options there. You don't have to commit to Josh Rosen, but it hurts no one to at least kick the tires on it. And I hope Miami does because I'd be pretty disappointed if they don't. Kind of a weird conversation to be having to wonder if a top 10 pick that's played one year is worth a second or third round pick the year after. And that's – None of this really adds up to me. I really do believe that this is all smokescreen, and I'll explain why. I think this is a smokescreen because Cliff Kingsbury's comment back in October where he said he'd take Kyler Murray number one, and the best smokescreens are built kind of on a kernel of truth. And I think that's exactly what's happening here because, oh, what do you know? He's the head coach of the team that has the number one pick. Of course, he already said who's going to, who he'd take number one. But this hasn't happened. And by this, I mean drafting a quarterback 
two years in a row in the first round. It hasn't happened in 36 years. And to add a little bit of even more suspense to that is the general manager for the Arizona Cardinals has been there since 2013. So this isn't a guy that, you know, this isn't a clean sweep organization here that's coming into something brand new and not acting like they don't know how they got there. This is a guy who's been there since 2013. And this is a team that has a lot of holes. And if you're a team with a lot of holes, how do you try to drum up trade interest in the number one pick? It's to try to sell the fact that you're going to draft the most volatile quarterback in this draft class because there just might be that team that's in love with Kyler Murray enough that they'd be willing to do that. But the pieces to me really speak to them not even looking at Kyler Murray. And so Cliff Kingsbury did make that comment, but can you imagine him coming into that interview with no NFL experience and saying to the the general manager, Steve Kime, oh, hey, well, I've never been in the NFL before, but the quarterback that you just took in the top 10, he's trash. You need to hire me so I can draft this guy, Kyler Murray, and we will be the ones to save your franchise. Woo! That's ballsy. If he was able to do that, God bless him. But I really don't see that happening, and that's roughly the story that he would have had to tell to get this job and to carry out this plan. I think it would have been something monumental and for the people saying that cliff kingsbury needs a dual threat guy to to run the offense i just don't see it texas tech they sling it around throwing the ball they don't need somebody like kyler murray so i don't know why cliff kingsbury would be an expertise on using kyler murray anyway but just to play devil's advocate real quick uh, i mean cliff kingsbury he kind of failed in college and you're kind of when you sign him to an NFL head coaching contract, you kind of were bringing him in to bring his air raid offense, to bring that high octane offense that, you know, he had to have gone into that interview and promised the world to the to the GM, to the owner that, you know what, this is the offense that I'm going to bring here and this is going to be an exciting team to watch. So maybe he did go in there. We heard about it a couple of years ago. You know, what was it, Brett Biennemi came in for an interview and he said if he got the Dolphins job, he would have drafted Russell Wilson. I mean, how would have this team have been if that were the case? So I don't think it's too far-fetched to think that uh, Kingsbury went in there and said, you know, I, I don't I don't see anything wrong with Josh Rosen. I mean, I like him more than Sam Darnold and those other, those other quarterbacks on the open market. But uh, if I can get my hands on this Kyler Murray kid, I mean, he, he's my man. So I don't think it's too far-fetched. I think what it ultimately comes down to is how you would rate those two players side-by-side. I think Kyler Murray has more upside. Take take nothing away from what Josh Rosen did last year behind a very, very bad offensive line and a very, very bad offense. But when you put those two prospects next to each other, I think Kyler Murray has a potential to be one of the, the better quarterbacks in recent memory. De- definitely see what you're saying, Houts. And, yeah, totally not ruling it out. I just think Kingsbury coming into that situation, if I'm ownership – I want to hear. I want to hear somebody come in and tell me that they're going to make 
chicken salad out of the chicken crap that the previous coaching staff thought that they had. So I, I want the guy that comes in and is going to tell me, hey, this roster that you have, it's not as bad as you think. I'm going to get it out of them. And maybe Cliff Kingsbury was able to sell that on Josh Rosen. It's, yeah, it's, it's hard as hell. We'll find out soon enough. When you look at Chad O'Shea and Brian Flores and Jim Caldwell, one of the things that they like their quarterback to have is a high accuracy percentage. And there's not a lot of stats out there that give you the accuracy, but you can look at completion percentage. And Josh Rosen was one of the worst in the NFL last year. Now, a lot of that has to do with the system that he was in, his terrible offensive line, and just the overall offensive philosophy as a lot of throws were made into tight windows. A lot of throws came when the opposing team knew the Cardinals had to continue to throw the ball. So you have to kind of take that, not with a grain of salt. You always have to take that at um, surface level, but you also have to take into the other factors into account as well. I mean, but just looking at it, though, it doesn't seem like Josh Rose would be the type of guy that Chad O'Shea when Jim Caldwell would want to build around because of the possible you know, inconsistencies in the passing game with Josh Rosen. Not sure if any of you guys had thoughts on that. For me, I don't think you can put too much into what happened last year, what happened throughout college. A lot of people thought Josh Rosen was one of the better quarterbacks in that class. You've got to believe that a guy is only 22 years old. I think he's been through six different coaches over the last, what, seven years? This guy just needs consistency. I think Chad O'Shea, this offense would be perfect for it. And again, you're not committing anything. If you give up a third-round pick, maybe even a second-round pick, you're just giving up a draft pick. Who's to say who the player they end up going out there and getting is going to be any better than what Josh Rosen is? I think it's worth the risk. I hope the Dolphins make the choice. But if they don't, I do understand because, as Sutton can attest to, there's a lot of depth in this year's draft. You know, I, I would be mildly concerned about the completion percentage. You know, I I won't lie that I, I don't know how the – the metrics break down with him throwing close to the line of scrimmage and, and intermediate routes, which seem to suit what the scheme will likely be under Chad O'Shea is a lot of short and intermediate stuff that just works out over and over and highlighting running backs and slot wide receivers and getting them uh, in space with, with motion and stuff. But anyway, uh, I, I, I would be a little bit concerned. So obviously Chad O'Shea would hopefully be a part of that decision-making process. So if he wasn't comfortable with that completion percentage, or maybe it's a delivery uh, sort of qualm with, with how Josh Rosen does things that, you know, that I would imagine there's a lot of variables that go into that, uh, but be definitely something that you'd have to look into. The Dolphins will have a lot of decisions to make in the next few weeks and months. Coming up next week is free agency, and then, of course, the NFL draft. If they want to swing a trade for Josh Rosen, they can do so as early as next Wednesday when the league year officially opens up. As we head into the free agent tampering period, which is coming up right before free agency begins, March 11th, we will start to hear rumors about where players will be ending up. We know Nick Foles has headed to Jacksonville. We know Trey Flowers is a big target for Miami. We know players like Jimmy Collins are now on the market after being cut by their team. In Collins' case, it was the Cleveland Browns. We will be back with you next week with a full free agency primer. We didn't want to get into that too much because we want to talk about the scouting combine and just that topic of 
Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray because we know it is a very polarizing topic right now for fans all across the NFL and especially for Dolphins fans because they need a quarterback, because they had supposed interest in Josh Rosen last year, and because he's now available on the open market. Any last thoughts, Houts and Sutton? It's that time of the year. Don't always believe everything that you hear. Yeah, I agree. Smokescreen season is uh, pretty interesting, so it's it's kind of fun connecting the dots in a weird sort of way, in a, like a masochistic sort of way, just trying to figure out who's full of crap and in what way. Yeah, and one thing that I think is going under the radar is how, you know, we don't really know what Brian Flores' Miami Dolphins are going to look like, what Chris Greer is going to do to put his stamp on this team. So I think we're kind of underrating that free agency is coming about. Like, we're going to start hearing trade rumors. You're going to start to see what this team wants in their players and what players fit their system because there's going to be a lot of contracts being moved and there's going to be a lot of players being brought in to to help build this team for uh, a long-term success. So I think it's an exciting time because – Sooner than later, we're going to know what the 2019 and beyond Miami Dolphins are going to look like. And we as fans, I mean, we thought football season was over. It's just getting started. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that because I saw Reggie McKenzie at the NFL Combine, and I was going to try to get a word in. And I just said, hey, Reggie, and he said, interviews, man. Have a good weekend. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted nothing to do with A.A. Ron Yeah, he, had a, he apparently had a lot of work to do. Yeah. Well, good for him. That's a good sign that. But yeah, you're right. We'll see what kind of philosophy the Dolphins are putting into place under new head coach Brian Flores. We'll see kind of what the priority areas are. I don't have a feeling they'll be big spenders in free agency based on everything I've heard. I think if they do spend, it'll be on Trey Flowers and the rest will kind of be for depth building purposes as they really want to build this team through the draft over the next several years. Again, we'll have your free agency primer early next week. We will come on the air before Wednesdays to kind of give you a preview of what we're hearing. And then we'll be on maybe later in the week as well to kind of give a free agency recap of everything that had gone on in the first 24 to 48 hours. That's going to do it for us here this week on Finsider Radio. For Aaron Sutton and Joshua Houts, I am Matt Kanata. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Everybody, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins.